Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Hey gang, back at the Bill Kasky podcast. I was interviewed recently on a podcast that has not been released, so I want to kind of keep it uh, close to the vest here because the host has not released an an entire podcast. But he did ask me a question, and I want to play back the question for you, and then I want to come back and add a few things to it. His question basically was, what did you see in the sales community that caused you to start your business and go into coaching and consulting and training? And I want uh, you to hear the answer, and then I want to come back and share a little bit more. How have you seen, like, what's the biggest change in the sales methodologies or psychology behind sales as opposed to the way it was when you started in the 90s? What's the biggest change that you could pull out for people that we would recognize? Mm -hmm. It depends on if you're talking about what's taught to salespeople, how it's taught to salespeople, uh, and, and then what are some changes that need to be happening that aren't, which we can get into maybe later if you want. But I think the biggest thing is we've tried to get away from this old Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, high pressure, convince and persuade game. And that I'm grateful for that. I think a lot of trainers have come along and said, look, that number one, it doesn't work. Number two, people can't use it. Salespeople can't do it if that's not their makeup and their personality. And, and we always talk about client success and customer success, and we've got to do what the customer wants. And then we're going in and we're putting pressure on them. It doesn't fit. So I think the the exertion of pressure on from salespeople to prospects price goes up on monday i've got this deal but it's only good through friday at nine i mean all that stuff the consumer is so sharp today they're on to that stuff (laughs) they see it coming a mile away you know it's funny because i started my sales career uh, um in the early 90s uh, but as a salesperson not running my own thing and I remember going through training about relationship selling, you know, just you mm-hmm. just got to be buddies with everybody, your buddies. And when you walk in, sell off the walls, you know, if they got a bass hanging on the wall, talk about fishing. If they got right. golf. And I'm and now when I train salespeople, I'm like, do not do. No, do, do I don't not. care if they have a live fish on the wall. <laughs> say nothing. Say nothing. Yeah. Got a shark actually, flapping back and forth. <laughs> Billy Bass is not going to help you close this deal. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You You got your feet wet. In a franchise which taught you the systems and processes, but then you said, nah, I don't really like this. I'm going to go do my own thing. What was it about doing your own thing that you thought, I can be more successful at this than doing the franchise? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you buy a franchise, you kind of have to do it the way the franchise wants you to do it. There, There is some leeway and flexibility, but generally, I mean, McDonald's, you don't walk into a McDonald's and they're not serving Big Macs. They, they have to do that. And so with the franchise, you have a little bit of a hostage situation. There were things that I wanted to get into, like mental attitudes, psychological uh, well-being, self-image and self-esteem. I think all that stuff played a, a big role in helping me get through what I went through. And from what I've seen the last 20 years, and we're still heavy into it, all that stuff is relevant today. And nobody else was really teaching that back then. Some are today, but still not many. And so I think my ability to take what I'd learned through life 
life experience, bring it into training was vital. I think it really separated us and still does today from most people who are just trying to get the salespeople to, to make more calls. You know, <laughs> I feel like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But so that's why I got into it, because I felt I had something unique to offer. So I will let you know when that podcast goes live, because it was uh, really good. It was a stream of consciousness kind of format, and uh, I shared some things that I probably haven't even shared with my audience. So I'll let you know when that goes live. But, you know, he asked the question about the biggest thing, and I think it's the attention, and it's something that we have not yet done yet. We have in our business, in the coaching and curriculum and training that we do, but I don't find too many trainers going down this route, and I think it's important, and that is the attention to the psychological well-being of the sales professional. The attention or the lack of attention to the psychological well-being of the sales professional. You know, we hire a salesperson. If you're a v VP of sales or leader or CEO or salesperson, it doesn't matter what you are, this is relevant information for you because if you are in professional selling, whether you're an engineer that goes out and acquires business or a frontline salesperson or SDR, BDR, whatever, this really does relate, and that is the attention needs to be more focused on the psychology and the well-being and the self-worth and self-image of the salesperson today. And the reason is because we put a lot of we put a lot of emphasis on selling and client acquisition, and the very thing that is at the heart of that, whether a person is really good at it or really not so good at it, or should may, maybe be in a different role is how their mind works, how they think about themselves, how they think about their role in the world as a professional, business professional seller. And I think that the miss there is that there's so much potential for growth in each individual, each one of us, if we would have somebody in our lives, and it could be a boss or a manager or a leader, I hate that word boss, or it could be a coach, but someone who's drawing out of us, where are we struggling? And the pandemic, I think, has added another dimension to this, but where are you struggling? Where are your people struggling? Where are your results not where they need to be? And how can you trace that back to some type of psychological lack? Because it's not always a skills problem. I, I do think skills are important. You know, you've got to have the skill of understanding how to ask questions of a potential client and how to lead the process and how to denominate the problem and how to find the problem and all those things. Yes, those are skills. But I also think that along with that, and I wouldn't call it a skill, is the psychological well-being of the person executing the skills. Because I know this, if you have some psychological lack and, and this goes for me, too, by the way. If I have some psychological lack, I'm uptight about something, I'm nervous about asking a question, I'm reluctant for whatever reason to reach out to the CEO or to a higher-level person, that will end up affecting my sales numbers. And it's not always a question of, well, you just didn't do enough behavior, you didn't make enough calls, you didn't put yourself out there, you didn't write enough posts on LinkedIn, or whatever the manager says you, you need to do more of. Because a lot of times, success or, or, or lack of success doesn't come from not making enough calls. It comes from how you organize yourself and how you think about your value and your role in delivering that value to potential clients. So here's an example. 
I'm doing a, a webinar at the end of March, and by the way, I'd love to have you on it. It's free, it's complimentary, and it's it's called. I'm not. I'm still working on the title of it, but it's the high performers' dilemmas, and and the dilemmas facing high performers, people who are already good at what they do, but they want to get to the next level. They face dilemmas because what got you here won't get you there, and I think we've got to look at a lot of different dilemmas that we face, and that's what I'm going to be doing on the webinar. So if you're interested, go to BillKasky.com. The top little mini banner there will say wait list, and it might say a wait list for the High Achiever Performer Group. Uh, that Just put your name in there, and you'll make, we'll make sure that you get an invite to the webinar if you're not on our list already. But one of the things when it comes to prospecting is we've got to change our belief about what it means. Because traditionally, prospecting has just mean we take massive behavior to try to get somebody to uh, invite us in or to, to make an appointment or to get on the phone with us. We, we exert behavior in hopes that we will get something out of it. And I think that's a wrong-headed way to look at business development. I think there's a much more sophisticated uh, way to look at it that really does attend to our mindset, and that is this. Do you feel like you have an obligation to share your story with the world? And now, your story, I don't mean your personal story. It could be your company story. It could be your personal story. But do you have this sense deep down that you owe it to the world to share it, to share your value, to get in conversation with people, to uh, inquire as to what their needs are and their problems and their pains. If you don't feel that you have a deep-seated sense of obligation to go tell that story, and it could be for a variety of reasons, maybe you don't believe in your product, or maybe you believe in it but not 100% of the way, you're, you're probably 30% of the way there, and that's a problem too. But I think that the psychological well-being of a person who's in business development or that is part of their role and again, that could go whether you're an accountant or an engineer or a frontline salesperson, is do you have a sense of obligation? Do you feel deep down like you kind of owe it to people to tell the story or to post on LinkedIn or to post a valuable insight uh, in an article format or produce a podcast or shoot a video or whatever those, those uh, dimensions or those tactics are now? Do you feel like you are obligated? If you don't, then it's going to be hard work. Every part of business development is going to be hard, difficult work. It's going to be grinding. It's going to be making calls. It's going to be getting rejection. Because if you feel like you have an obligation to tell your story, there is no rejection. It, it's like, well, okay, well, you don't want to hear my story. Okay, great. I'll go find somebody that does next. But if, if you take on, if you don't have the psychological well-being and the mindset of obligation to share your story, then you're going to pull back. And you're not going to do the things that will help you get audiences with the right people. So that's just one little mini example. Another example, the final example here is that relates to psychological well-being is the idea of what do you expect when you get into the negotiation or sales process? Do you have expectations? I say have no expectations. Have none. Why would we have an expectation of making the sale, just as an example, when we don't even know what the customer's problems or pains are or whether it's even a fit, whether we can even help them solve the problem? But yet a lot of managers are, are out there saying, you know, you got to expect, you've got to always, whenever you go in, you got to expect this deal is yours. Well, I think that clouds the situation. 
I think when you have that expectation, you get in the way of the prospect telling you what their problems are. That's not healthy. But if you don't have good psychological well-being and feel like you have something of value to offer and you want to help people, if you don't have that, then you will always have the expectation that you're going to succeed here. And it soils, it soils the soil. It, it, it is toxic. I find, and I've, I've been teaching this for the last few years, if you have no expectation when you go in to either into the market to prospect or if you're in the process right now, the fewer expectations you have, the better. And it allows the prospect then to have their own expectations, which I expect that you're going to ask me questions. And I expect that if there's a fit, I'm going to buy from you. And I expect that the price is going to be. You want them to have the expectation, not you. So don't get in the way of the sale by having an expectation and, and focusing on it when really you should be focusing on, focusing on the customer's expectation. Now, you may say, that's kind of confusing. No, it's really not. Just have no expectation. That's pretty easy. Feel an obligation to share your story. Have no expectation of the outcome. It will free you up. You will be free to tell your story to anybody. You'll be free to go call on who you need to call on at the company. I want you to feel free. And if your psychological well-being is not where it needs to be, we become a hostage. Sometimes we become a hostage to ourselves. Sometimes we become a hostage to our manager, to our leader. Often it's to the prospect. I don't like that. You are a free, liberated human being. You, can, you should be able to operate in the market in the right way, and the right way is based on the psychological well-being. So those are a couple of things that I thought about after my interview with him, and uh, I wanted to share those things with you. I'd be curious to know what you think of it. You can, uh, we'll put it in the uh, LinkedIn feed as well, so if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, you'll probably see it there, and I'd like to hear what you, uh, how you feel about that. And I hope this helps. Talk next time.